Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Dominic Carter at Talk Radio 77 WABC. Number one, I really hope you are doing well and staying safe. You don't need me to tell you, but we remain in very trying times. And unfortunately, what illustrates that on a worldwide stage the embarrassment in Afghanistan. And by the way, also in this podcast, New York State has a new governor. Her name is Kathy Hochul, replacing Andrew Cuomo, who resigned. She is the 57th governor of New York. And Kathy Hochul makes history as the first woman governor in New York. But let's start with Afghanistan. Americans, trapped behind enemy lines in Afghanistan. The initial reaction at the airport there, the uncontrollable surge of people so desperate to escape, they are dying in the crush. America has suffered its perhaps worst self-inflicted humiliation, and the free world is less safe. That's correct. The possibility, the heightened possibility of terrorism all because of the decisions of the Biden administration. Joining me is someone who knows politics like the back of his hand, former Rockland County executive in New York State and former candidate for lieutenant governor, Scott Vanderhoff. It is so nice to see you. Nice to see you, Dominic. So number one county exec, and there are so many things and history that you can bring to this conversation. But how do you sum up, uh, from your point of view, this outrageous situation in Afghanistan? Well, I mean, it's a clear uh, loss of mission by the Biden administration. I mean, they had no idea what how to approach this. And one can't see it other than humanitarian disaster. One can't mm -hmm. see it anyway, but a disaster from, from a planning point of view. And, uh, you know, we're all still trying to get our hands around it. And quite frankly, I don't think President Biden is making it any easier. I mean, his, his uh, comments to the nation just seem to me to ring hollow. I don't, I don't find it an awful lot of uh, face value, I'm afraid to say. And um, it, it just so it makes it worse. And I, it, it's not just for the American people who who bleed uh, for the 2,400 people we lost in Afghanistan over 20 years, the 66,000 plus Afghans who've been lost in the war. Uh, we don't, you know, it's our, it's our adversaries and our allies who must be watching this and saying, what does the United States stand for? I mean, you, you know, Ukraine and Taiwan and all these other things. And uh, so it's, it's, it's more disturbing uh, every day. Because of the president's decision in Afghanistan, we have gone from a position of strength worldwide to weakness. At the end of the day, is this all part of Biden's legacy now? Well, it certainly would appear so. And it, you know, he is, you can tell, he, he is really struggling to try to pull this out of the fire because 
I mean, he was supposed to be, uh, you know, a foreign affairs uh, specialist in the sense of his uh, serving in the Senate, uh, his uh, his uh, time as vice president. <clears throat> and here you have a situation and, and even the, the, you know, the newscast or his his reports to the nation, I find them just not straightforward. I mean, we still don't know how many Americans are there. We still don't know how many Afghans uh, and women and others who have to get out of Afghanistan. Uh, we still know that ISIS is there, apparently. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So it seems to me at this point that we are just in, in, a, in a turmoil and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. In my heart of hearts, my heart of hearts, President Trump, the former president of the United States, would have never been caught in a situation like that. A, do you agree? And the reason why I say that is on a world stage, Trump sent a signal of strength, not weakness. Do you agree? I agree with that. Um, one must remember, though, that he is uh, he is the one who made the deal with the Taliban. And uh, one could question exactly how that deal was to unfold had he continued in office. Um, but I put it a different way. Um, I, I just don't think the military and uh, our intelligence, counterintelligence folks simply dropped the ball here. And they dropped it under both administrations and maybe more than that, uh, in my opinion. And we just don't know. I mean, we've made so many different kinds of mistakes. On the other hand, I must add, and, and you know this, Dominic, and, and your, your listeners do, there's so much more blame too on the Afghan, former Afghan government and the failure to use their military properly, the failure to, to work, the, you know, the president running out of the country, uh, the, the complete corruption in the country. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is that the United States takes an awful lot of blame and Biden in particular, I suppose, but there's a lot to this story. But County Executive Vanderhoff, if, if the diplomats warned you, if the experts warned you, why in the world would you go ahead with this self-imposed deadline and now it's all blown up in your face as the president of the United States? You know, I think that's that's the big question. And one of the things that seems to me is that this president had it on his mind, <clears throat> excuse me, when he ran for office and his in his um, public discussions that he was going to get out of Afghanistan and he was going to do it before September 11th. And, you know, the, the details uh, would have to follow and the details were important. Let's switch gears now. Uh, and you can talk from a historical point of view because you worked for the Rockefeller administration when he stepped down uh, as governor. New York now has a new governor. What are the challenges ahead for Governor Kathy Hochul? Uh, she has already announced she is running for a full four-year term. Yeah, she and she's got challenges galore. I mean, uh, I see it as a three-pronged deal. I was with um, uh, in the Rockefeller administration <clears throat> as a young fella uh, when he uh, re uh, retired or left in December of 1973. Malcolm Wilson took over in Dece at December. And of course, he had to run uh, in the next year in 1994 and ran against Hugh Carey, which he lost. Malcolm Wilson 
was, in my opinion, and in many people's opinion, one of the most knowledgeable people about New York state government. But it wasn't just government he had to run. You know, he had to make sure that, in fact, he reached out to the people. And there he didn't do a very good job, in my view, and lost the election despite having served as lieutenant governor for 15 years. And what's interesting is right now in state government, at least the way it used to work, the actual budget is being finally developed and the governor's priorities, these are government priorities, are being honed now so that they might be used in the January speech, which is the state of the state. All of that is happening right now. So she comes into office, literally not just with COVID issues, not with school issues, not with the economy problem, not just with violence in our, our urban areas, but she's also going to run the government and she's got to select Lieutenant Governor Dominic, who is a person probably from the progressive side of the party, probably from New York, um, to try and probably most importantly to be a person with a Senate understanding, New York State Senate, because she's going to need that New York State Senate, along with the Assembly, to get these things through to show that she is a leader. So you have government on the one side, you have pure politics on the other side, and then in the middle is this whole question of how you actually govern to improve your political standing and do what Malcolm Wilson could not do, which is raise your standard and become electable. So now here's the big question, Mr. Vanderhoff. Does State Attorney General Letitia James run in the Democratic primary for governor against uh, Kathy Hochul? And you, of all people, know that it's all or nothing for Letitia James, not a free run. In order to run for governor, she can't run for re-election as state attorney general at the same time. James could have it all or end up with nothing. What do you believe she does? You know, I am not familiar with her enough to be intelligent about it, but I don't think she runs. I mean, she's been a very careful politician, taking her step by step. She's in a very good position uh, where she is. She's made headlines throughout the United States. I don't think she gives that up. Now, remember, that's why the, the, the selection of a lieutenant governor and the process of how Kathy Hochul, who everybody agrees is nice and, and all those things, how she manages these first few months is going to be critical as to who steps up. And then it's not just you know, Letitia James, it's uh, the folks from uh, Long Island. You, you got uh, Steve Ballone. You got other people who have been eyeing this um, as well. So I, I don't think she runs. And I think Kathy Hochul is in a pretty good position against any Republican, given her upstate roots. Let's uh, let's close with uh, this topic. What are the challenges ahead for the next mayor of New York City, either Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams or the Republican nominee Curtis Lewa? Well, I mean, they're absolutely enormous, especially with the Delta variant uh, has really put a crimp on everything, not just lightning and, and uh, big, you know, lightning stopping uh, concerts to, to celebrate. But the fact of the matter is the Delta is the lightning that, that's stopping all sorts of things. New York City uh, still got hundreds of thousands of jobs. What is it? 10% unemployment. You got violence. You need to, to, to improve. The economy is, is, is real trouble. So I think whoever it is, okay, it, it is critical for the course of not just New York City, but New York State as well, that we get back on track. Uh, de Blasio, I number. I don't think ever had a real concept of how to do any of those things. And hopefully uh, the next mayor will. 
Well, former Rockland County Executive Scott Vanderhoff of New York State, we thank you for, for joining us, and uh, it's always an honor to see you and to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Dominic. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Folks, I really want to hear from you. You can reach out to me on Twitter at Dominic TV, on Facebook and Instagram at Dominic Carter TV, Dominic Carter TV. Please also email me your thoughts and comments to Dominic.Carter at WABCRadio.com. From time to time, I will shout out WABC listeners and also read your emails and comments. And I want to shout out, first of all, to Tammy Tucci for always being there for me. Tammy is the type of person that is with you when you're up and damn sure with you when you're down. My guy, Sal Morrow. Sal, you're the man. Thank you for being such a strong supporter of Talk Radio 77 WABC and of me, Sal, and also Olivia Pearl. Olivia, I stand on your shoulders and I'm here today because of your beautiful, beautiful heart. Thank you, Olivia. And of course, folks, you can catch me on the radio or listen online weeknights from midnight to 1 a.m. as I always, 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 always will take your telephone calls and I promise a lively discussion. I'll see you next week, folks.